Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Matt and I take a look at the tenure of Jay Clayton as Commissioner of the Securities Exchange Commission. I think it's a mixed bag, and uh, Matt came down on some mixed views. I know you will enjoy our review of Jay Clayton as SEC Commissioner. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take a retrospective look back, uh, not that that was redundantly superfluous, but um, at the tenure of Jay Clayton at the Securities and Exchange Commission. Matt, first of all, uh, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, I guess I'm going to probably just say right off the bat, I I think it's a mixed bag. But nevertheless, uh, he didn't uh, leave the agency, I think, in a worse place than he found it when he he, um, took over. But I know you have really followed him in a lot of ways other than the enforcement, which I tend to focus on. So why don't you maybe uh, start off with some uh, some general comments? Well, I have some uh, mixed views about Jay Clayton's tenure at the SEC. Uh, for listeners actually might be well served to remember a bit of the history here is that Jay Clayton did not actually expect to run the SEC. Um, President Trump hired him after somebody else had recommended uh, Jay Clayton to the president. And I don't know how much of a due diligence search there was for good SEC chairman candidates at that time. But when Clayton arrived at the SEC, he had no experience in government, and he had no experience in politics or as a prosecutor or anything like that. So he had never served as an SEC official. He had never been like a member of Congress who occasionally have wound up running the SEC. He's never a federal prosecutor uh, or anything like that. Um, And he was the first outsider to run the SEC, come in directly at the top. Uh, The first person to do that with no government experience since Joseph Kennedy, uh, very first chairman of the SEC way back in the 1930s. So here comes Clayton in from the outside. What immediately happens in the first two or two years or so of his tenure at the SEC? A lot of big crises that any agency head would have had to deal with and probably wouldn't expect to do. So, Tom, this might actually seem like ancient history where we all say, oh, yeah, we podcasted about that like two years ago. Um, Major cybersecurity breach at the SEC itself. That actually had happened in 2016, and if I'm recalling correctly, did not get disclosed until 2017. Uh, So that was one of the very first things Clayton had to deal with. We had that insider scandal with the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, which the SEC oversees. And for those unfamiliar with that, that is where uh, officials at the PCAOB would leak upcoming inspection plans to audit firms so they could gussy up their performance. And in exchange, uh, the KPMG was the audit firm in question. They then hired those PCAOB people 
hired them as full-timers at the audit firm. So it was like a jobs for Intel kind of a scandal. Big mess at the PCAOB. And Clayton wound up having to replace all five PCAOB commissioners at once at the end, beginning of 2018. Scandal and crisis number two. And then the other thing people might forget about is back in 2017, we had the very swift rise of cryptocurrency, which I find to be the most excruciating part of financial regulation. I hate crypto things and bitcoins and all of it. But anyways, um, a whole bunch of people started betting on or gambling with or trading in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that were totally unregulated. So one, two, three. Big scandal at one of your subsidiary agencies, big cybersecurity attack, and a big sudden uh, surge in a new financial asset that everybody had to pay attention to. That consumed Jay Clayton for the first two and a half years or so of his tenure at the SEC. And the reason why I go into all of that is because when Donald Trump originally won election four years ago, we all thought, oh my God, he's going to put in somebody who is a total predator in the financial markets to run the SEC. There goes good accounting. There goes Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. There goes SCPA enforcement. There goes everything good in the world. And that didn't happen. Specifically, I think, because Jay Clayton had so many other fires he had to put out right then and there. Um, Now, we can get to some of his policy changes that he eventually got to in the second half of his uh, tenure at the SEC. But For the first half, he just had basic administrative stuff he had to do, and that kept him very busy for a long time. Um, Later on, he did get to SOX compliance. I personally, Tom, think that he's been okay on FCPA enforcement, and very specifically, we have seen numerous times where the Justice Department declined to bring a criminal case in an FCPA matter. And the SEC jumped on the civil enforcement for books and records anyways, uh, which I know there are some purists out there who would say that shouldn't happen. And legally, it can. I think it's perfectly fine. And clearly, the commission thought it was fine, too, um, because that happened. Um, You know, we can talk about other policy changes that he is pushing through around corporate disclosures and whatnot. But yeah, you know, like in certain ways, you can say Jay Clayton is not at all the doom and gloom that people might have expected four years ago when everybody was expecting doom and gloom from President Trump that would trickle down to some of the agencies. I don't I don't know that that happened here. And I certainly would agree uh, with that. Um, the his changes around uh, really increasing or, or excuse me, attempting to in- open more capital markets for investment, I thought, came at the expense of uh, shareholders and investor protections it seemed to me that mm-hmm. um, the investor protections were really uh, de- uh, uh, not demeaned, but uh, did not keep up with the growth that he wanted to see uh, in access to capital markets. Um, number one. And uh, number two, I thought that um, his attempts to uh, recalibrate whistleblower awards was an abysmal failure. Um, he wanted to cut back on the very highest awards. Uh, you and I visited about that several times. And, and frankly, I think it's still a yep. mystery to me is what the constituency, who his constituency for that was. Is it just American businesses doesn't want to pay out whistleblower awards uh, because that's antithetical to corporate compliance programs? That's obviously antithetical to the whistleblower bar. I think corporate America recognizes that whistleblowers 
are not simply here to stay, but they're actually something that can benefit corporate America. So I scratch my head at who he was trying to butter up or pleased with that um, with that move. But I think the particularly led by the whistleblower bar, they really uh, pushed back on that. Uh, so I was very disappointed on that. I, I certainly agree with your assessment on enforcement. I think, uh, um, and and even with my views on the whistleblower changes, I believe the last fiscal year had the uh, largest amount of whistleblower awards. So I do need to tip of the hat uh, to him for the way he administered the rest of the program. And then uh, also, as you said, um, when it came to SEC enforcement, I don't know how much would percolate up to the commissioner, certainly the commissioner, but I found the FCPA unit in the FC uh, in the SEC to provide us with solid information every time they issued a cease and desist order. You know that's very true. Um, it is interesting. I saw one recent summary of SEC enforcement activity where they noted that the absolute number of enforcement actions under Jay Clayton was higher than the absolute number of enforcement actions of his predecessor, Mary Jo White, in the second half of the Obama administration. On the other hand, I don't know that that's an apples to apples comparison because, you know, a dozen different small ball enforcement actions do not necessarily equal one big momentous uh, enforcement action over, say, accounting fraud. So I don't know if I put too much stock into that number, but like the number is true. Um, I think it is interesting that for all of Republicans talk about weakening SOX compliance and specifically relaxing the need for getting an outside audit of your internal accounting controls, that's Section 404B of SOX, and they want to weaken that so that more companies can go public. That's the theory anyways. In practice, what has the SEC actually spent most of its time on in this realm? Loosening the rules for people to raise more money in the private markets. Now, I personally think that a lot of these um, opportunities that the SEC is making easier for you, it's like, you know, the, I don't know, whatever sort of foot powder uh, scam artist company you see advertising on Fox News at two in the morning or on basic cable, like these scam fly-by-night companies that are making it easier to raise more money through friends and family and whatnot, like quack businesses there. But if you are making it easier for small companies to raise more money in the private markets, by definition, they will have less incentive to go public, uh, even if they're just small public companies. Um, so those two ideas, like they can't coexist in the same universe unless your real interest is in just weakening investor protection across the board. Um, the other thing that sticks out to me in Clayton's enforcement record, actually, is we should talk about Elon Musk. And I think the year was 2018 when he sent out his tweet uh, saying that he was going to take Tesla private, which he, I suspect, had no intention of doing. But um, ultimately, that led to an SEC enforcement action against Tesla and Elon Musk where Jay Clayton basically said Elon Musk was too important to Tesla and to the value of the company for them to sack him. Even though, like, look, man, the guy was putting out statements on Twitter left and right that were at best incoherent. At worst, they were deliberately misleading to goose the stock price. But Jay Clayton basically said, we can't get rid of him because he's too big to fire. Um, 
I really disagreed with that rationale. Like, how do you hold people accountable if you're saying that holding them accountable is going to be detrimental to investor value? So what then, Mr. Chairman? We're going to not hold these CEOs together or hold them accountable? Um, and let alone the fact that it just tells CEOs, if you really want to be too big to fire, you need a big personality and a big ego. And, you know, we have enough big egos in corporate America. I don't think we need any more. Uh, so that enforcement action in particular stood out to me as like, that was a dud. I really didn't like that. I know a lot of other people didn't. And to this day, it seems like Elon Musk is still all over the map. Um, but that, that was another point of mine that uh, as we look back on the retrospective, that one stood out. I don't know if you had any thoughts about it. So I'd agree with your assessment. Uh, maybe on the flip side, I would point to the Theranos criminal prosecution that the SEC is leading. Uh, Sadi Bawani mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Holmes are both set for trial next year, so we won't have results during uh, Clayton's tenure. But uh, I felt like uh, when it came to Theranos, at least, they were aggressively pursuing uh, the two individuals who may have been, or certainly at the top, whether they were the most culpable or not. Um, so sort of, uh, 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 but I do agree with your assessment on uh, Elon Musk, and he basically uh, punted on uh, doing anything to Musk. And if we had to maybe uh, we've talked about where the SEC might be going in other podcasts, I don't really don't want to kind of get down into that sort of speculation uh, till we have another podcast. But overall, uh, I guess I uh, would would look at really his first 18 months. And as you pointed out, it was three huge crises. And it, it doesn't matter what business you're leading, whether that be a private business, a public business or a government agency. If you have the three crises that you named, the cyber breach, the PCAOB scandal with KPMG, and then cryptocurrency, you are going to be all consumed by those. And whatever agenda you may have had coming in, uh, you're going to have to set it aside or at least postpone it a little bit, um, even if your boss, who's named Donald Trump, is breathing down your neck. So you know, perhaps his ability to, to pivot and deal with these crises is something that uh, may come out more information on a later date in, in books or memoirs, but it's something that we should uh, uh, think about when we are assessing his overall tenure at the commission. You know, th- that is true. I mean, even an experienced SEC official, like somebody who had been a commissioner bumped up to chairman, which is not unusual, even that sort of a person would have been taxed by the three quick managerial issues that bubbled right up into his face. Um, And Clayton was coming in without a whole lot of inside experience about how to actually run a commission. He came from a very large law firm where he was a very successful partner, but that's not at all the same as running a big government agency. Uh, Tom, two other things that stick out to me about his tenure is, of course, I think first, we should mention that wacko scheme that bubbled up over the summer where um, Bill Barr tried to fire the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and then move Jay Clayton into that role. Uh, And then Jay Clayton actually like went along with this uh, where he said that, no, he wanted some prosecutorial experience uh, to bolster his private sector career that he would eventually return to. This being from one of the best deal lawyers at one of the largest firms on Wall Street, uh, and he stepped into this gigantic mess where the U.S. attorney at the time, Jeffrey Berman, refused to quit. So he got fired, um, was going to take it to court, and then only this all got 
pushed aside when his deputy, Audrey Strauss, agreed that she would be the U.S. attorney on an acting basis. She still is. And Jay Clayton would pursue the nomination through normal channels, even though Republicans quickly said, whoa, who, Clayton who? Never heard of him. Um, and this was never going to go anywhere, even if Donald Trump did win re-election. And of course, now he hasn't. So it's that's just going to be quite the, the coda for Jay Clayton. Uh, and the other point I would say is that pursuant to the, the first half of his tenure, where he was just beset by these managerial issues, in the second half now, he is trying to rush through, I think, several big policy changes that Republicans would like to see, which are not that good. And I mean, not even necessarily if you think they're wise or not, like the, the proposals, uh, the, the, the cost benefit analyses and the research into them had not really been very impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them are challenged in court eventually, including the reforms to the whistleblower law. Um, but for example, one thing that uh, also like blew up in his face and just went belly up was that he had proposed vastly exempting many more management funds and uh, hedge funds from required disclosures of their holdings in various companies. It's called a form 13 F and you have to file that on a regular basis. And he had proposed weakening the, or changing the, the threshold for that to exempt somewhere on the line of around 90% of all hedge funds and asset funds would not have to disclose that form 13 anymore. Um, that was rushed through. Nobody liked it. There wasn't really any good analysis for it. It was clearly going to be challenged by somebody somewhere if it came to be. So only a couple of weeks ago, the commission finally said, you know what, we're going to put that on hold, which means it's going to die because Jay Clayton is going to leave by the end of the year. Um, and th this is not going to get picked up by whoever runs the Biden administration's SEC. So there's a lot of that that has been happening lately, this kind of hurry up offense, which is just leading to a whole lot of fumbles at the very end of his tenure. And the, the wackadoo thing with the U.S. attorney scam, which I just, you know, to this day, I still can't get over. People thought that was going to ever be a good idea. Uh, so, Matt, we've had some really, uh, I think, uh, great dialogue in this podcast, but I was wondering if we might be able to conclude with maybe each each of our views. Uh, have they changed from where we started with? And I'll, I'll start off so you can end. Uh, I I felt like mm -hmm. it was a mixed bag. I uh, I felt uh, in the middle of this podcast, I felt a little bit better. Uh, he had certainly uh, damaged or destroyed uh, the reputation of the agency. Uh, the political misstep he made around trying to uh, get in to lead the Southern District of New York, uh, I found just bafflement, uh, completely out of character. He seemed to be very cautious uh, in his approach up till then. Um, but I think he probably will be remembered as someone who tried to open up the capital markets, or not even the capital markets, open up the markets a little bit. And whether that uh, was a good thing or not, we will see play out maybe in the next two to four years. How about you? Well, I would say that uh, the things that struck me about Jay Clayton as a person are that he clearly listened to others and their opinions. Um, I had, on numerous occasions, I watched him either give testimony or speaking at conferences or whatnot. And uh, Jay Clayton is a very intelligent man. He's a very successful person. He is very respectful in how he deals with other people. And uh, he has tried to strike a really a good, balanced approach on many different things. Uh, and you can see when he is speaking or appearing somewhere, you can see that he is his brain is working and he's listening to others. 
Suffice to say, I have met prior SEC chairmen where I questioned if the wind was whistling through their ears. Not many of them, but some of them definitely. And that is not Jay Clayton at all. Um, I don't want to say something like he could have been worse, although with President Trump's nominees, that's always true. Uh, I think that Jay Clayton has he's left the commission in a different place, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was a better or worse place than he had uh, found it. And he did all of this also in the last year, working very well through a COVID crisis uh, with many SEC employees not in the office, and they still managed to get their jobs done very well. So he had certainly, he brought a lot of administrative skill when it wasn't necessarily apparent that he would have that sort of administrative skill because he hadn't done a job like that before. Uh, yeah, he made some mistakes and he did some things that are perfectly fine. He did some other things that I wish he hadn't, but, you know, we're just two judges among the many. So, um that's that's pretty much all you can say about him. We may have to rename this podcast Two Judges Among the Many. What a great way to end on. <laughs> well, Matt, I look forward to seeing what we come up with for next week. All right, Tom. Take care. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. Also, check out the show notes where I have additional resources available in forms of blog posts written by Matt or myself. I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive, literally going into the compliance weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. We look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.